0: Game
1: Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux. I'm your host. And joining me as always, he's having a champion time. It's Griffin Davis. A champion time. What does that mean? It's from a Pokemon, bud. It's what the champion is constantly saying.
0: Is anyone saying having a champion time? Like that's the time they're having? Yes.
1: Leon says it all the time. He's like, I'm having a champion time or let's have a champion time. (laughs)
0: I just skip over all that shit
1: he says Uh, Uh, I mean that's fair (laughs) Uh, I knew it was a gamble but it was the one I decided to take today because it always is how you doing bud hey I'm doing good I'm feeling good
0: it's a night episode I got a fresh fresh pot of coffee I got my water to my right I think I'm gonna make it I think I'm gonna survive this episode uh Man, we've been doing a lot of hard work this month, Lux. Already. We've been grinding. <laughs> this horrible idea to do only new games has really just thrown my life for a spin. We have to split the difference. <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. Um, you and you counts are up,
1: quality of life is down.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty bad because... Um, I get this major anxiety uh, when I'm juggling like multiple campaigns at once. Um, And that's just been this entire month. So uh, I hope I can find peace one day.
1: Yeah, I I literally just came from the other room where I was having my sci-fi RPG campaign. And I got to switch from playing as a space skateboard riding punching monk to podcasting about a video game. Which is a real gear shift for me. Actually,
0: that sounds pretty normal for you. But uh, anyways, we've got a we've got a great guest, a great return guest. Another returning champion. Another returning champion. Uh Lux, why don't you why don't you bring this bring this guest
1: on? All right. Uh he's you might know him from Wisecrack, where he does a lot of writing for our videos. He also has a website which has a name that uh, you want to say what it is because I forgot all the words to it.
2: It is the Hub City Review.
1: The Hub City Review. I was going to say High City Review. I was close. It's the Hub City Review. Uh, please welcome Matthew J. Therio to the pod.
2: Howdy! Thank you, Conley, for having me on again.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for being. You were extremely excited to talk about Pokemon when I that mentioned true. That we were looking for. I mentioned that we were looking for guests this month, and you were immediately on it, and so. Every other show this month has been a hassle getting guests, and this was by far the easiest.
2: <laughs> well, well, as you remember, I uh, trunk texted the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, the review that I sent in saying I hey, oh, yes. needed more cowboy. And then later on in that episode, you guys were saying you needed more guests, so that worked yeah. out. <laughs> and then,
1: yeah, and then you uh, you sent us a, a message saying you want to come back on. We are happy to have you because you're a great guest last time, and I'm excited to get into it this time. Griff Dog, uh, I got a question for you though, bud. Oh, what's that question? What you been playing this week?
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, and all of our friends beyond the binary, I'm level fifty one in World of Warcraft. That's right. I have reached sort of the 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 major threshold of the game, sort of the point of no return. Because uh, uh, you were I've, planning
1: on returning before? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was planning on going returning and going back to level one, down uh, leveling. Oh, okay. Um, no, it really feels like the the wind is in my sails, and I've kind of climbed over the the mountain. It's all it's all downhill from here. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, you know, a lot of people they they quit in the mid 40s because it's famously just the worst part of the game. It's like where the developers were like, eh, if they're good, they'll stick around. What's, a, not, what's so leave. bad about the mid 40s? Well, there's just of extreme lack of quests. Uh, anything that you can do is so far spread out across the world that it's just massive travel time between stuff. And most of the time, there's just not enough quests, and you just have to grind. Uh, and and it's like a very confusing, unguided uh, part of the game that uh, it gets pretty messy. But now I'm in the 50s. There's like four or five zones left. I got this, guys. Nice. You're in that final 16.6 repeating percent. It's going to be incredible. Uh, but uh, Matthew... Have you been playing anything other than Pokemon this week?
2: Yeah, I've actually been alternating pretty much between Pokemon and Jedi Fallen Order, which I got to say right now, that is pretty much my game of the year. I'm loving it. Star Wars game of the year. Yeah, Star Wars is what got me into video games with the original uh, Jedi Knight, uh, Dark Forces 2, and I've been a hardcore gamer ever since. So this is scratching an itch that I've been having... Pretty much ever since EA got the exclusive license, because we have not had a good Star Wars game in years, and this is now, not at the level of Outcast or Kotor or Force Unleashed, but this is something at least.
1: Now this yes. raises the the obvious question. Last week we talked with uh, our mutual boss Jared about the glitches that have apparently been running wild in uh, in Fallen Order. Um, Are they bad? Are you dealing with them? Is it a big problem?
2: Yeah, I'm having a lot of problem, uh, both with the glitches and them sticks are not feeling too great. Because when I go to block, (laughs) he doesn't block. When I go to dodge, he doesn't always dodge. Like, I am not a novice game. It yeah. really is. <laughs> Wait, okay. So it's shitty to play and it's game of the year. <laughs> it's frustrating to play, but at the same time, I just <laughs> love the galaxy far, far away so much to have a big single player campaign with interesting puzzles, you know, that makes me feel like a Jedi. It's worth all of that frustration. So sort, of, <laughs> sort
1: of like it's uh, It's maybe not the best game of the year in a zoomed out way, but it's the game that brings you the most joy in kind of a Marie Kondo way.
2: Absolutely. And I think it's been a weak year overall for gaming compared to recent years. Until this
0: month where it just exploded into potentially one of the most interesting years, in my opinion. I mean, with bangers, Death Stranding bangers, and bangers. stuff like
1: that. Well, that's a good segue to what I've been playing, which is Death Stranding. Oh, my God. I am. Ugh. It's the best. I like. It keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. You keep unlocking new things. You keep like, <clears throat> I had a fun time recently where like, I knew I was going to backtrack a bunch of ways and it was going to be difficult. So I like built myself like a whole, like as I was going up this hill, I built like the way back out of like zip lines and ladders and stuff. And it was so much fun. Just like, like take three hours, like get to a place and then take like 10 minutes to get back to where I started and be like, I made that like the reason why that like traversal existed is because I built it. And it's just so much fun. I still haven't gotten too, too much farther. I mean, am in like chapter five now, like where Jared was And I haven't gotten a huge amount of like plot disclosure stuff yet, although it's starting to come together, but I still just like, I'm in love with the world. I'm fucking one thing that I really liked about it is that like, it was doing that thing I talked about last week about like the problematizing of movement and stuff. It did like just the right amount of that. Like you get to a certain point in the game where like you get your motorcycle, you get your robot legs, you get all your other stuff and you don't really have to worry about that shit anymore in the same way. Um, Right. And so it was really fun to have eight to 10 hours of a game where I was just like, moving around is its own puzzle and it's crazy, but a whole game of that would have made me throw up and go crazy. Um, For sure. And so it like breaks it off at just the right time and gets you into other stuff where you're worried about like using your guns and using your motorcycle skills and, and stuff like that. Um, and it just fucking, it rules. It's so much fun. I'm loving it. Uh, Um, and
0: now are you able to upgrade the monsters to potentially, I don't know, Red Bulls, um over the course of the game. So far, sticking with uh
1: the devil's drink monster energy. <laughs> the devil's choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know that famous YouTube video of the lady explaining why it's the devil's drink? Yeah. Why is that? Because the prongs on the because, on uh, M? it's the the Hebrew letter Vav, which is the sixth, and it's the <laughs> M is made of uh, theoretically six Vavs, so it's six, six, or three Vavs so with six, six, six. <laughs> you explain that better than she did in the video. Yeah, it's because I speak Hebrew. Oh. And oh, she does. Okay. You, so you get free monster for life. Yeah, I go in and I just, um, I just like ask, uh, I just say random words in Hebrew. I'm just like macher Routine and they're like, here's your monster. And I'm like, I just asked you where the bathroom was, idiots. <laughs> (laughs) Um, And then I laugh my way to the bank because I sell the bank monster energy and that's how I make my money.
0: Wow. Um, Well, you know, monsters make me think of the toxic chemical properties within them. So why don't we play everyone's favorite news segment? Let's get back to the toxic or toxic. Now, Matthew, I don't know if we played this with you last time, so I'll explain once again for you and any new listeners. I'm going to present. New stories from the week in video games, and you're going to tell me from the gut if they are toxic, as in bad incel, gamer culture, misinterpreting the Joker movie, um, I don't know, just like being weird online. Or if it's doo 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 toxic, as in the Britney Spears song, which is a hit, a banger, and a good thing.
2: Are we sure that it's a hit and a banger? I mean, it's no baby one more time. Wow. Well,
1: oh, I know, think it's honestly. I'd rank it above him. Maybe one more time. I'd rank it below Trouble for me. Um, but I might rank it below Till the World Ends. Well, we know it's a good.
0: We we know it's a good thing. We're, I'm not saying it's the only or the best thing, but we know it's a
1: good thing. The game right? would suck if it was called Toxic or Trouble for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> agreed. Agreed.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> we can we can try that this
0: time if you want. Uh, news story number one. Uh Google Stadia is reportedly burning out Chromecast Ultras.
2: <laughs> I mean. uh, do do <laughs> I I just want this to burn and fail. I do not believe in the all streaming future whatsoever. I believe in property and owning it. I want to own my games yeah. and so I have no interest in this being the direction that the video game industry takes.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I tend to agree. If we're not nationalizing games, which is obviously like what I think we should do with everything, they might as well I should have them myself. And I certainly don't want Google to own them. Like if, I, if, if I'm if i not going to own them and like a state sanctioned, democratically organized body doesn't own them. Definitely not Google. Like, right. Those guys are bad people. And also just like at every turn, they seem to just like do the things that suck the most possible ass.
0: I just keep thinking about the number one Google Stadia fan who just gets burned on every level. Like there's some fucking dweeb ass dude who like lives in San Francisco and bought like a 4k monitor and he bought his Chromecast ultra and he got the service on day one and it just sets his computer on fire. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of almost poetic and it's all, it's, it's kind of like a self purging of the bad gamers, like because the people who just care about tech are
1: losers. It's about the games. I am um, actually, it's funny you say that. I was kind of tracking that guy on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> You're tracking um, him actively. because a guy posted a, a comic that was just like someone playing Google State, another guy being like, you know, that the streaming shit doesn't work. And then another of like, you know, it doesn't have that many games. And it was like, you know, it's bad for the Chromecast. And the fourth one was like, stop having so much fun. And it was like clearly a pro Stadia comic, and I was just like in this guy's replies, watching him just get roasted to death by endless people, and just being like, "Who the fuck are you? You fucking Google like Google clout shark, like <laughs> just riding for Google." It was so fucking funny. Um, but like those people love, do exist, yeah. and like surely they have been owned by this Chromecast problem.
0: No, literally, like in like their hardware has imploded, which is incredible. Um, and also, like I was looking at some stats for. Google Stadia like Destiny 2 there was like I think 325,000 people playing on PlayStation like 285,000 on Xbox and like 35,000 on Google Stadia which is such a small amount that like you can't even like queue for PvP in the game so it's just like it's just effectively, like, what is this for? This sucks. You shouldn't be charging for this at this point. This is, like, the worst beta I've ever seen. It's, like, insane that they're, like, bringing it out as, like, a full service with, like, 22
1: games that no, you can't really play online with anyone I mean, without if just we, if we catching like, on fire. If you want to, like, translate this to... First of all, I love that it's, like, a reincarnation of the Samsung Note that was blowing up on airplanes and shit. I'm glad that's <laughs> back in the discourse. But also, like... If we want to talk to like broader video game shit, it's just like they there's a status. There's a status amongst game developers. That they can put out a thing that isn't all the way done um, and it'll just get done later. And everyone's going to be OK right. with that, like all alpha shit. And that's what this reminds yeah. me of. It just reminds me of like a half baked idea that came out to come out and. Um, right. And then, like, thought, like, the buzz of it coming out would carry it. But, like, it's such a big investment, such, like, a serious thing. Like, no one jumped on it because fucking
2: duh. I would have to say that games like Destiny seem the only games that really could exist on this service because they're already ephemeral. If you wanted to play Destiny as it originally was with Peter Dinklage, that game just doesn't exist anymore. It's gone the way of uh, PT. Uh, So game streaming, which is... Hey, all of these games, even the single player ones are ephemeral and they're going to lose access one day. That's what that's all about anyway. So the people that are doing the games as service that are used to that, I can see some value there. But for the people that like meaty single player games, there's no reason that should be on a server somewhere else. Yeah. And how dare they? Uh, Moving on. (laughs) Uh, News story
0: number two. Farmers are putting VR goggles on cows in order to relax them and show them like chill hills and like grass. All right. That's a big fat. (laughs) I completely agree. You guys say putting the cows in a literal
1: matrix is do to do to do. I mean, if we have the te- like, OK, the obvious like meta level solution is like, hey, let's not factory farm these cows in conditions that make them feel awful. Um, but if we have to do it and we have VR tech to make their time a little less miserable, you know, like
2: as long as it doesn't drive up the cost of steak, I'm good with it. Yeah.
1: yeah like i just like obviously there's a certain degree of like bandaging over an open wound kind of thing to this um which i'm not in love with but like i love the visual of cows wearing vr goggles that makes me very happy
0: as long as long as they don't give these cows google stadia i think their experience will be good
1: yeah Um, i mean look but (laughs) there's good immersive vr environments out there so like maybe it's interesting for the cows i just think that like Doing the most you can to help your cows out seems good.
0: Listen, imagine though, like if it's like really shitty VR, it's like that the frame rate's all messed up and they're like, God, maybe I'd, I'd rather die than.
1: <laughs> the cows just a really... like, the cows are all just fighting to get to the front of the like shoot them with the air gun <laughs> line.
0: They're just like, let <laughs> me out of here. And the VR goggle blocks it like a bullet. Like a <laughs> <laughs> the air gun can't penetrate
1: the VR goggles. It can't and penetrate the VR goggles. And now we have bulletproof cows running wild. Yeah.
0: And that's how we, that's how we lost them. That's how big. Big tech. That, that's kind of our new judgment day, I think, or dumb judgment day. Uh, moving on, the Pokemon Company wants to hunt leakers on 4chan Discord. Toxic. Toxic.
1: Wow. Pokemon Company, what's going on? This is like emblematic of like the status quo. Like Disney's taking down all the baby Yoda gifts. It's just like fucking chill. Like you. <laughs> I don't know. I I hate this shit where like businesses try to get out ahead of like potential infringements on their shit in such a way that just makes it a bigger deal and they just act like dicks about it. I just like, don't who the fuck cares? Who cares if it's leaking? The game's fucking out.
2: Yeah. None of those leaker side, non-disclosure forms or anything like that. No NDAs. You know, it's who cares if they leaked it?
1: Yeah. And it's like, what is the fact that like fucking Grookey gets a big drum, a fucking trade secret? Like, are we serious right now? Like, that's fucking insane. Like, it's it's just not the sort of thing about which this shit matters.
0: Yeah. Uh, it didn't seem like anything impeded the sales of this game, really, in terms of information. If anything, some of it's just, like, soft promotion in a way, right? Yeah,
1: totally. I mean, they they made the dex made the choice that I liked, a lot of people hated, and, like... It's still sold fucking crazy. It's only like crazy fucking numbers. Yeah, and uh, and but then they, I'm sure they
0: released all those major story twists in this very detailed narrative of a child going
2: to eight towns. <laughs> and, and I wasn't really looking for the spoilers myself, except for the fact that they didn't release the starters or their evolution. So to order, in order to make an informed choice on which starter to choose, you had to look at the leaks. And that's on the Pokemon Company for not advertising the game better for not revealing more relevant information before the games came out. Yeah, force us to leak.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. Like, there's... I mean, it's not like you need to know. Like, I didn't know shit, because I just chose not to know shit, because I'm a big idiot. And we'll get into, like, the way in which my being a big idiot affects Pokemon later. But, um... It's, like, that's shit people should be allowed to know. Like, yeah. what game you're playing and what can happen. Like, that's not crazy. Yeah, release the tapes. Um, okay. And finally
0: not exactly video game related, but kind of related to uh, a passion our guest had. So I thought I'd include it. Uh, Michael B. Jordan met with Warner Bros about being the new Superman. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't
1: want to drop the gun.
2: So what? I would – I don't know whether it's toxic or – because I would love him to be a Superman of – I believe it's Earth-27, the one inspired by Barack cool. Obama. Yeah, the one where he's president. Yes. He would make a great Calvin Ellis. Absolutely. Uh, the real Superman, I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, all this you know, new casting that's going on. I like the characters to look like the character. I don't like some of the – Guys, they've already casted Superman. I want the guy that looks closest to the John Byrne, you know, circa Man of Steel 1986 Superman as possible. And Michael B. Jordan is a far cry from that. But is he close to other versions of Superman? Absolutely.
1: I will say this. I think that for a lot of characters, I think that the questions of race and appearance are pretty mutable. I think that for Superman, it does matter a little bit more than others precisely because like to say that a black Superman lands in Kansas and then it affirms like a really positive view of American culture and the people in America is like <laughs> is fucking nuts, right? Like that would never, that's not how it would go down, right? That's what, that's what fucking Mark Millar's Red Sun is about, right? Like where Superman lands and his relationship to society around him, like determines the kind of superhero he is. For sure. Um, And so like black Superman landing in like notoriously not super friendly to black people Kansas does not make me think he becomes like an American values guy. Which is kind of Kansas is kind of like white Wakanda,
2: although moving over, (laughs) moving over a state or two to uh, Oklahoma. I know we're going to be talking about who's watching the Watchmen later. And they did have a racial change in one of the uh, characters that I think worked out very well. If you watch the last episode. Yes. Oh, we've all been watching.
1: We will get into that um, when we get to that. But yeah, I think that I, I'm pro Michael B. Jordan, because so I just think that it'll be interesting. I think he's a good actor, I think it'll make a good movie. But I think you can make a compelling argument for like why making Superman Black interferes with some of the ideas of Superman in the first place. So in this Barack Obama Superman version, what is what does he do?
2: Does he just like does he still do drone strikes? Uh no, he just flies over to the other countries himself as Superman and no one realizes, despite the fact that he doesn't wear glasses as president or really switch up his hair, that... The president of the United States, who you see on TV all the time, is also Superman, who you see on TV all the time. (laughs) It is pretty (laughs) immersion-breaking. I kind of love that. Yeah, I don't know. There's something fun to that.
0: Um, All right, well, thank you, gentlemen, for playing Toxic or Toxic. Let's get to the main meat of this episode, the game that we've all been playing this week and falling a little bit in love with. But first, let's hear about the history of this game. In 1995, Satoshi Tajiri created Pokemon, a game about fictional creatures which human Pokemon trainers catch and train to battle for sport. Since then, the franchise has become one of the highest grossing media franchises of all time, spawning a hit anime TV series and sequels for the next two decades. With the release of the Nintendo Switch in 2017, fans eagerly awaited a next-gen version of Pokemon. But controversy erupted after fans were told that not all of the Pokémon from previous games would be included. This lack of Pokémon was referred to as "Dexit" in reference to Britain's own Brexit, and passionate fans of A Game for Children began filing petitions to the White House and even sending death threats to designers at Nintendo. On top of that, hackers leaked massive amounts of the game before release. In this new digital age, could an innocent game about animal abuse be the very best, like no one ever was? This week, it's Pokemon Sword and Shield.
1: Man, what a fucking game. What a game. We're here. It's another Pokemon game. What a game, what a game, what a mighty good game. What a mighty good game. Um, all right, Matthew, you're the guest. What are your thoughts on Sword and Shield? Pop off.
2: Yeah, I got to <laughs> say, this is definitely one of the best games for Switch. One of the best Pokemon games of the franchise. Sure. But I, I think that's a pretty low bar considering how much potential this game had. I, I kind of see Sword and Shield as Red, setting off from Town. You know, You know he has the potential to become the champion of the whole region. But imagine if he lacked that ambition and just like... Stuck to his starter, didn't catch any Pokemon, only ever fought youngsters on Route 1 and just stayed there. Like He's not reaching his full potential. And that's Sword and Shield for me. You know, there is such inherent strength in the concept of magical dogfighting. There is such deep nostalgia for this brand that goes back 20 years to when we were kids. There are so many resources afforded to the most profitable intellectual property of all time. And they finally have Proper hardware to put it on. This game could have been so much more. It could have aspired to be the very best like no one ever was. Instead, it's merely great, but it's not the champion. Yeah, Yeah. I feel very similarly.
1: Yeah, well, I think that it hits this weird space where like they could have really just revamped the game in a lot of ways, like added sort of live voice acting, added some more nuanced, specific animations, added other sort of real-time features different quality of life things but then it would have felt like a really different game than the past ones and i don't know if that's good or bad necessarily i don't think it necessarily is either good or bad but like i think that they really wanted to stick to the sauce and just sort of mess with it as little as possible while still updating it and i think all the ways they did update it are great um but i do kind of agree that like I don't know. I do kind of wish they had a little bit more juice. I don't really care about the voice acting stuff, which I know other people are bothered by. I do wish that, like, some of the moves had cooler animations. Some of them do have really cool animations.
2: I actually found the lack of voice acting to be the biggest omission, specifically because the improvements in the animation, you know, now that we have a high-definition Pokemon game, the characters look like they're pantomiming. Like, especially, did you guys get to uh, all the gyms? No, I'm halfway I'm on gym.
0: I just finished the fire gym.
2: Okay, so this is gonna be a bit of a spoiler. Ain't nothing to with There's one of the gyms, the seventh one, uh, where the gym leader is singing. And so you're reading this <laughs> rocks the lyrics to his rock song, but you're not hearing anything. And it's just so immersion breaking <laughs> that yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, there's
0: there's many cinematics in the game that seem like they were designed and framed to be heard, but you're just reading text. I noticed that at the very beginning intro cinematics of the game, where like the the head guy of like the league or whatever is like introducing people, it's like this feels like I should be hearing this, uh, and so yeah, that's a weird omission. And you know, as I was doing research about the Pokemon series, I found out that it's like the it's the second most successful video game franchise behind Mario. They have the money to do whatever they want. And it sometimes surprises me like what kind of product they put out with that, because it's not just about the voice acting like the the world, the big wild area world looks like a Dreamcast game in a great way, in a fun way. But that's what it looks like. Like It doesn't look like an odyssey. It doesn't look like Breath of the Wild. Like it doesn't look like they took their franchise to like the next generation
2: uh, visually. It does. Yeah, insert, it could have looked does, like yeah. Nino Kuni, like oh, anime. It could have looked like the Pokemon anime come to life. Yeah, you know, the Switch has the resources to make that happen. Yeah,
1: yeah I, it like at times it hits that. There are some moments, a lot of like in the gym stuff or like the intros to cities. Um. Particularly like the final boss battle looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, you've already been the game.
1: Oh, I've been in the game. I've been in the post game. I've been it
0: all, baby. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> uh so let's talk about things that they've kind of added. Cause I think most people listening to this have played a Pokemon game before. They know the basic structure, but what makes this game different? Uh I think first let's talk about the amount of Pokemon in this game. Now the it's hilarious to me that people were complaining about lack of Pokemon because I personally feel like there's way too many Pokemon. Like when I go to grassy areas, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of Pokemon in them.
1: Right. Well, this is the problem is that there are actually I think I, I might be wrong with this. But there are close to or more than the normal amount of mons in the game. But you can't add in mons from past games. There's, there's like 400, right? Total. Yeah. And you used to be able to like get all the mons then would open up other mons or you could transfer mons in and stuff. That's no longer the case. It's just sort of mostly all on the table. There are some that you can't get to later. Like you can't get Charmander until you beat the game or whatever. Um, But like for the most part, they're all on the table from the jump. And so people are mad about it is that they can't like import their favorite boys from old games or like those guys don't show up again. But it is like you said, there's just like so many Pokemon and it just paints a fun picture. And you do so many options of how to play through the game. And it's fun to not like, I don't know, um, Sometimes I've talked to people, um, including Forrest, who's going to come up later in the show because he and I have been arguing about Pokemon a lot this week. What is there to argue about? (laughs) I'll I'll explain later. Um, He's over there recording a Final Fantasy podcast. But they like, I guess the idea is that like I don't spend time wishing I had old Pokemon because there are so many ways to solve the puzzle of good Pokemon team with the 400 that they have. So like instead of me sitting around being like in old games, being like, oh, I wish I had my Charizard and my Gyarados Um, in my team, instead of having to like level them up or whatever, I can just be like, you know what? That's fine. I have my car coal and my fucking electric fish or whatever it's called. Like it's, there's a lot of ways to solve the puzzle that are cool and interesting and new. And so it's nice to open up those doors rather than fall into old habits of best Pokemon practices.
2: I personally don't mind that Janishi Masuda hunted some Pokemon to extinction in this game. What I do mind is that Noah, he picked the wrong Pokemon to put on the arc. I want to say seven <laughs> or eight of my top 10 favorite Pokemon got the axe and I just don't have access to any of my favorites anymore. See that's (laughs) what I love though
1: is that like it's kicked me out of this rut where like I'd play other games and I'd have like very classic like builds I'm used to and now I'm just like trying out all kinds of new stuff.
0: Yeah because all these new Pokemon look cool like and I want to I I don't want to feel the stress of like also having to catch another fucking Zubat or some shit you know like like I want to focus on the new weird bat stuff. Yeah the new weird bat
1: that has a instead of a big mouth has big ears.
0: Yeah, but uh, so then the I guess another big change that I've noticed in these games is like, obviously, they're they're 3D. There's some cool little secret areas where like the camera turns and shows you a little hidden area, some fun 3D stuff there. But uh, the big thing that I've noticed has changed is the gyms, uh, these gym missions now uh, that they have uh, now in, in most Pokemon games. It's very basic walk through the maze and fight all the trainers until you get to the gym leader. But now there's all these weird t- tasks that you do in each gym how do you guys feel about those
2: see the tasks themselves i was lukewarm on but having the gyms have more verisimilitude to actual sports really brought me into the world of pokemon in a way that again The immersion was broken before, because if this was real, if Pokemon existed, they would be the ultimate spectator sport. No one would give a shit about football or baseball or any of that. So you would want stadiums full. But in past games, you just had this one little kid in a remote area going to a league and there was no one to watch him. No coaches on the sideline. None of that. It would be like if the Super Bowl were held out in the Rockies and the players were just... Plan by themselves and <laughs> yeah, <Super laughs> it doesn't make, make any sense. Rockies.
1: Fuck you, Broncos. <laughs> well, yeah. But no, the, um, I, yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I, the missions are kind of fun. Some of them are kind of stupid. It, it like, there's a real variance, right? Like I really like the water mission a lot. I liked the grass mission a lot. Um, I thought the fire mission and the fairy mission were kind of doofusy. Like, yeah, they there's a there's variance. Um, what I don't love about it is that a lot of the fun of the other games is how each town had like a built in like little mini story. Um, and that was sort of how that's like took the place. Like, that's what the gym missions used to be. It would always be like, yeah, you can fight the ghost gym leader, but he's uh, cranking his hog at the top of the spooky tower. So you got to get the ghost out of there so he can finally come down or whatever. Um, and you don't have that anymore. And all of those little missions gave those towns character in a way that I thought was really nice and fun. They make up for that a lot in how well designed and like graphically like rendered the towns are. Like the towns all have specific looks and stuff, which is really nice. But like I I do kind of miss those like special interactions that would like flavor your experience of like Lavender Town or whatever. Yeah,
0: and is there like is there side quests in this game? Maybe I'm too early. Um, but is there like little side stuff you can do?
1: Not much. There's some little ones, but yeah. like not a lot right um maybe there aren't I breeze past them but i haven't
0: yeah i didn't come across a single one yeah yeah going back to the the sporting arena thing that matthew was talking about i think it's very funny that there's this like entire crowd who just like watches just like a gym leader just repeatedly get his ass kicked by just kids just one after another like (laughs) it's very funny to me
1: that's part of the eternal goof of these games is that like Everyone's like, this is the gym leader. They're sweet. And then this game yeah. is all about like how most people don't make it to the finals. But then like everyone you meet makes the finals. And so just like Ness has just been getting rolled over and over again <laughs> yeah. by all these
0: fucking teens. Because they preface you every time you go to a gym, your your hometown rival, who is basically just the, one of the worst Pokemon trainers I've ever met. Well, uh, I he respect comes the, out of I every gym. Energy. He comes out of every gym and is just like, yeah, I already beat him. So I'm like, okay, if this loser can beat the gym leader, I'm going to waltz through this.
2: I Uh, did did like how they have some side characters mentioned, like by the time you get to the fire, uh gym leader in, like, the third one. Like, oh, yeah, this is where most people burn out. No one really gets past him. It yeah. would have been cool if you were actually seeing some of your rivals who are fleshed out characters, just their character arc stops because they couldn't get past Ness or uh, the other ones.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. There, it seems like there's just so much still potential to experiment and, like, have more narratively going on.
1: Right. Like, you have one thing I liked is that they expanded kind of the rival pool to four. Like, you have Hop, yeah. Your are like idiot best friend from town who like ends every conversation by sprinting away from you, oh, which is an energy that I respect and admire. Um, and then you have like Marcy, like the cool punk girl from the punk town. And you've got BD, the most insufferable fucking twerp on the planet. Yeah. Um, but they all exist and have characters and like are interesting to a certain degree and like are way more fleshed out than you usually getting a Pokemon guy. And that's really fun. And I think I with Matthew that if I had a couple more of those and like, they just start dropping Yeah, Uh, like like, because they couldn't hack it or whatever, like that would make the game a lot more fun, feel a lot higher stakes. Like it just feels like like the problem with Pokemon isn't that there's no lose condition. That's fine. It's for children. It's that it feels like there's no lose condition. Right. And you can kind of trick that by like adding narrative components and things like that that make you feel like you're at risk to get in big trouble or whatever, even if you're not actually. Um, but the game never does that, so the whole time you're just like, "Well, nothing I do matters,"
0: <laughs> for sure, which is fine. So then there was also team uh, the new team Rocket in this game. Team yell is is Team yell, uh, which I think is a funny team name, and they're basically just super fans of one Pokemon trainer. And I don't know if that gets darker, but I'm I'm very confused on their end game because uh, other Team Rockets like want to like do nefarious schemes, and so far
2: these dudes are just like followers like just chuds if anything it gets lighter i remember there's (laughs) one uh area in the caves where they're just trying to help a dreadnought cross in peace like they get less and less intimidating every time you see them
1: (laughs) yeah i mean if you want to do you want to spoiler on what their deal is uh sure they're literally just fans. Like they don't have an end game. <laughs> like that's it. Like eventually you get to the town where like Marcy's from, and they're all like, "Where are the people who live here?" Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, then I hope more evil characters appear because there was something to Pokemon having some type of villainous element going on there's in so, the background. There's
1: some juice to that in this one too. Um, I hope so. The it's like these are about as far from the stop stop climate change by turning all the land into water. Team Rocket. Like they're about as far from that as you can get.
2: <laughs> Well, it actually does kind of talk about climate change, or at least that's how I was reading it uh, in maybe a way that is a little bit more nuanced than the usual conversation, because Chairman Rose, he's basically saying that we have this. Disaster, you know, that we have to look for in the future that we want to prevent. You know, a thousand years from that, we want to make sure people are living their best lives. So we just basically have to have the darkest day today. And I almost almost saw him as like a Greta Thunberg type or Alexandria or Casio Cortez saying, like, oh, it doesn't matter if we crash the economy right now with our Green New Deal. You know, today doesn't matter just as long as the future is secure.
1: Well, to be fair, the, the big difference between him and contemporary climate activists is that contemporary climate activists are trying to make a plan that accounts for economic problems and won't crash it. And his plan is literally just make a monster.
0: (laughs) Well, he sounds like a little more like Ozymandias to me. Yeah. He's a little bit more of an Ozymandias (laughs) than like an AOC, I think. (laughs) Um, uh, Regardless, uh, you know, uh, the science is not all in on that. And me and chairman Rose share that same position. uh, Yeah. Great monsters. As soon as it happened, I was like, Oh, Griffin's going to relate to this. Well, monsters are job creators. I mean, who has to rebuild
1: the town? Someone's got to make the energy drinks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I think you're right, Matthew, that it is making like a, an interesting argument about sort of like balancing contemporary comfort with like future concerns. Um, and it definitely paints him as like the far end of that spectrum in a way that is uh, is interesting. Um, because he really doesn't give a shit about what's happening in modern time.
2: Absolutely, and it really. It's surprising because the game absolutely acknowledges like anthropogenic climate change. You have the uh, Galarian Corsula, who is a ghost type here because yeah. we've bleached all the coral reefs until like they're white and dead now. So it's acknowledging that's a thing. Right. I mean, it's yeah, almost, you making, know, it's radicalizing our kids.
0: It's that's why I've banned it. I have, my kids aren't allowed to play it.
1: Well, It's like making an argument for like transitionally grounded climate politics. Right. Like we need solar panels. but We also need job training so that people who work in coal mines can go work on the solar panels we need wind farms we also need to to create a grid that can accommodate wind power like it's it's arguing for like a a a transition into new energy as opposed to just like flipping a switch which is how it should work um but it's doing it in a way that is like kind of smart and clever which is something that i don't usually say about pokemon games (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we're far from Team Land, Team Water discourse. I
1: love but it, but it's still my favorite of all time. My favorite is <laughs> turn everything into land. Ooh, baby.
0: Yeah, um, one other thing I enjoy about this game is that you get a team XP bonus so that your other Pokemon can level with you so that you're not grinding as much to get all your characters to be the same level. I think just a little quality of life stuff like that I'm really enjoying. And I do like the cinematic touches as you leave a town and stuff like that. Like the three gym leaders, like, wish me good luck on the future adventure. So there is fun stuff uh, and and touches to this game. Uh, but ultimately, it does it does feel like a softer, like, less conflicty. Just kind of like an easygoing adventure. Um, And uh, I'm curious to see how it ends.
2: Yeah, throughout, Sonya keeps telling you, all these things that are going on, don't worry about them. I'm the Pokemon researcher. I'm going to focus on the main story. You focus on the side quest of completing the gym battle. You don't have to engage with the legendary Pokemon at all. That's my job. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. so funny. There are parts where someone's like,
1: there's a big problem. And you're like, oh, cool. I'm a really good Pokemon trainer. I'll help. And they're like, no, 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 you need to be getting badges. And you're just like, <laughs> but there's a big problem. And they're like badges can't do it, um, which is very funny to me. Um, I do really like in this game also that they have a lot of interesting type combos, which maybe sounds like some deep nerd shit, but it makes for much more interesting battle shits. Um, for instance, fighting Leon at the end is not, easy <laughs> um i was able to win but it took me a long time and like all my items
0: that's really cool because a pokemon like, game
1: that is challenging that's
2: great because what was, was your uh, team that you took them on with
1: uh what did i have i don't remember any of the pokemon's names because i nicknamed them i can tell you their nicknames i had grunkus grandma
0: yeah not um, helpful <laughs>
1: like yeah paddington
0: not, not worth
1: going through Verna no one will know Verna what Verna this Herzog, is. Um but yeah I had a pretty balanced team but the thing is that all of his pokemon are either dual typed in ways that account for their weaknesses or have off type moves like his charizard has solar beam and rock slide and so it's really difficult to win battles like that and a lot of that's because of the design of the new galarian or galarian pokemon and I like that I like that they're weird like I got like an ice lightning dude which is like a crazy combo yeah uh like ghost fire or whatever I'm rocking applin which is just an apple. It's
0: one of the oh, laziest apple, book apple, one I've apple ever made. Whips.
1: I had Applin for a long and time. And
0: Applin is, is half
2: ghost. No, half no, half grass, half dragon. Half, he's half yeah. grass,
0: half dragon.
2: Yeah. So there, there is a ghost dragon later. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
1: There are a lot of good um, time combos, which is really nice. Um, one thing we haven't yeah. talked about that we probably should get into is uh, the wild area. Hell yeah. The wild area is the stretch of. Sometimes fun, sometimes impossible to navigate because they add visual weather like snow Mm -hmm. Um, area where you can run around and catch Pokemon and they range. But once you once you beat it, I think they all just hit at 60. But until you beat it, they all kind of range from like basically one to 60 level wise. And you can get Pokemon that are way stronger than your team or you can fight stronger Pokemon to speed level your team or you can catch rare ones that you want to level up on your own, like all kinds of stuff. And it's really, really fun, and it gives a kind of an open world feel that I really like. It's fun, but it's also the most damn. This is some Dreamcast level underproduced
0: shit. Yeah. Like it, like it looks cool, I guess, but it doesn't look good. Like it looks pretty derezzed and crappy, and it's just insane that a franchise like this can't can't well, make that shit look that, better. Like, it's just that, like the
1: areas aren't differentiated. Like they all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks because you like you driving around and You're like, welcome to the Giants hat. And then I'm like, okay, what's the Giants yeah. hat? And it's like, oh, another grassy hill with a rock on it. Weird. That's mm-hmm. just like the Giants seat. Really strange that that's the same thing. Like, it just sort of like that part sucks. But I like that you can go around. I love that you can just find Dynamax holes. Um, and I should talk about Dynamaxing, which is a fun little new mechanic. Basically, Dynamaxing yeah, is, is just—is that shit evil? Is that shit like not good? That's my theory. It's not evil per se, but it's related to some gnarly stuff. Like it's it—it's a byproduct yeah. of some gnarly stuff. Well, and either way, it's so your Pokemon can get real big if you Dynamax them. A lot of the gyms are built on Dynamax zones, so like every gym trainer's final creature or final Pokemon gets like real big and super powerful. But throughout the game, you can do these raids where you go into holes and fight a Dynamax Pokemon with like the help of either three NPCs or three online players you can sync up with. Um, and it's really fun. It's a fun way to level your guys. You get all kinds of cool bonuses. You get to see all these Pokemon in weird Dynamax
2: forms. My my, my problem with the Dens is the artificial scarcity. All of the absolute coolest Pokemon are the Gigantamax forms. And yeah. those are the ones with the super low encounter rate and the Den, you have one shot that day, unless you use a Wishing Star, which you got to grind the uh, for the 3,000 Watts. So you just have such a low chance of getting like the absolute coolest Pokemon in the game. Uh, like I said, these Gigantamax Sentascorcher, or Gigantamax Orbeetle. And unless you're a little kid that's going to be playing this game for months and months and months on end, you're just not going to see all the coolest content in these dens.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the, the inherent problem with, with like most Pokemon stuff is that like, some of the cooler shit you have to really grind for in a way that is very distinct from the mecha- mechanisms of the rest of the game so
0: wait you have to catch specifically big ones like they don't eventually just go small again
1: what do you mean like like so there's difference between Dynamax and Gigantamax oh, Dynamax okay. just makes your guys big Gigantamax makes yeah. them take on like a new crazy form
2: Gotcha. Any Pokemon can Dynamax, but only the ones that you catch that are Gigantamax in the den. Do you then get to use that mechanic when you're battling other trainers? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Which is a cool idea, but
1: like you said, this artificial scarcity kind of dicks it up. Um, Before we go to commercial, I have a question for you guys, and I want to talk about my argument with Forest, because this is what it's about. Um, Forest is a very calculating uh, Pokemon guy. Like, Forest is building team comps and breeding Pokemon and getting the perfect, most elite possible squadron of type combos. Whereas I play by randomly choosing Pokemon, giving them funny names, arbitrarily getting attached to them and sort of like ramming my head against the wall until I win. Um,
0: Absolutely. The second one for me, I don't think the game is hard enough to play it the first way.
1: Yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. I mean, I I can respect the sort of like check boxes grind, but it's crazy to me that you play the game that way. Matthew, where are you at on this question?
2: I definitely lean towards the second, but I kind of split it uh, almost halfway. The team that I beat uh, Leon with, I did try for a lot of type diversity at the very least. Uh, And I tried to have type diversity within the move sets of each of the Pokemon. So I'm cognizant of that. I'm trying to get into the end game and the meta and all that, you know, and think about, okay, what nature should my Bolton be? And how do I change that nature and which, uh evs would i want him to have that's not something i've ever engaged in before with past pokemon games but it's something i've been watching some youtubes uh about recently and i I think i might want to explore it now all right well you and Forrest can be box check perverts together i guess oh no i would never (laughs) give up the ones that are cool looking i just want to make sure they have the best stats and natures and abilities of the cool looking pokemon
1: sure um all right. Well, I think Forest Team is cool looking. I shouldn't say it's not cool looking. It's just that it's built through such a fucking uh, sports analytics approach um, that it, it's it's sh- shocking to me, given the nature of Pokemon. Um, do we have anything else we want to say, guys, or should we go to commercial? OK, commercial. Commercial. Hey there, internet! Welcome back to the Game Boys Podcast. My name is Deluxe Coastal Griffin Davis. Your guest is still Matthew J. Therio, and we are still talking about Pokemon Sword and Shield. Now is a part of the game where we, or part of the show, where you rate that game. Boys, girls, and friends beyond the binary. The way this works is, Matthew, you will go first because you are our guest, and we will each give our final thoughts and then a rating about the game on a scale from one to five joysticks. So take us away, bud.
2: Well, I like your rule about if there is another game that did this better, you can't give it a five. I do think that the best Pokemon game is. Pokemon Sun. It just had better designs for the Pokemon. It had something that this game is sorely missing. Even worse than the National decks, that is the global trading system. There is so much friction now in getting the Pokemon that I want, building the team I want. Sword and Shield do some things better than anything else. The verisimilitude of the Pokemon League as a sports franchise, I absolutely love. However, there are steps backwards. You know, it's been two steps forward, one step back, and I just can't rate it a five because of that. Still, I'm going to be playing this game for a long time. Love it. Enjoy it. Despite a lot of criticism. Yeah, sure. Which so was that, did you give it a number? It, it, it can't be yeah, number. A, a four out of five. Ah, there it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. f- four joysticks. I thought I, okay. I thought I said
1: that. I was chewing on a pen and sometimes I get really into chewing on pens. Uh, Griffin how about you
0: Um, One thing I didn't mention that I really Am enjoying about this Pokemon game is The music I think the music is Is fantastic I think It's different uh, but but familiar Well the god the
1: uh, the Undertale god Toby Fox did some of the
0: tracks Did a a good song on there And I I love the song when you first Meet the legendary wolf in the forest It's like a howling song it's just like There's been some songs that like slap Uh, I think that's really great Um, There's also been some new like like they did some interesting stuff with, like, really special ways to evolve Pokemon. Like, there's a Pokemon that you have to, like, just put into your party and then bike through an arch in the wild area. And once you pass through it, it evolves. Like, there's, like, all sorts of secret fun evolutions. There's a Pokemon that only evolves if you cook the right dish in front of it. Like, they're, they're, they're kind of, like, making fun new challenges on how to evolve the Pokemons. So I like all that stuff. Uh But, yeah, this game... It, all the Pokemon games are are like crack, like we're going to play them. We love them. We love the repetition and we just love the we just love the vibe and everything about them. But this game does feel like a missed opportunity to like make a next gen Pokemon game. In some ways, I still find that one GameCube RPG Pokemon game that I always talk about that no one's played except yeah, me. We really have I to get that on the show sometime. I find that to still be in some ways more next gen and more interesting than this game. Like it's wild that that game uh, in some ways feels meatier than this one. Um, it had more of a story. It had more challenging rooms and designs and like 3D buildings that you entered. And I just it just feels weird. It feels like a missed opportunity. I'm still going to play the crap out of it. But for me, it's a three point five out of five and it could have gone way bigger.
1: Yeah. Um. So a couple things that we didn't talk about earlier on my end are one. I think this game is final confirmed that people eat Pokemon in this world. Um, <laughs> just because you set up camps in places where there are no animals that aren't Pokemon, but somehow you're serving meat curries all the time.
0: They're they're all like veggie curries, right? Cuz no. it's all berries you're cooking over. No, them because with.
1: you get like spicy bone curry all the time. <laughs> like that's animals bud and that's pokemons. And you're eating pokemons with other pokemons and it's fucked up and I love it. Um so there's that I also like I think the post game content in this one is a lot of fun. You have to like do a bunch of like weird gigamax raids in different gyms. And then you hang out with these people who have, like, really terrible hair and have to fight them to get the legendary Pokemon. That stuff's really fun. There's a lot of just really fun little things in this game. I like the battling. I like that there are some random really hard battles. Like, there's that one restaurant owner who has the Clefairy and Clefable who, like, is probably the closest I came to losing aside from Leon anywhere in this game. Just, like, getting rolled. That's hilarious. Same. Just, like, getting rolled by a rando. Right, a lot of people have gotten rolled by the same rando. It's very good. That's awesome. And those little things like that are really fun. I like the way it looks. I... I like the way it looks. I guarantee it. Um, but, <laughs> You're going to like the way it looks. But I, I basically agree that like somehow and I don't think it's the voice acting. Right. Because like Mario, like Super Mario Odyssey, like they didn't add voice acting to that. Everyone's still wobbling around and being like bloop, bleop, bleop, bloop, text or whatever. Um, but for whatever it is, for various reasons, just doesn't feel as as leveled up as other switch games have. Um, and so, and that sucks because in so many ways it is a level up and in so many ways it is a lot more fun, but as like the gestalt of it just feels like lacking a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to also give it a four, like Matthew, I think it's really fun. I'm really enjoying it. I'll probably continue playing it every once in a while just goof around in that world now that I've, I've eaten most of it, but like, it's just doesn't quite juice me up the way that I wish it did. I wish that it had like a little bit more beef um, a good a good thing on this is that like today, Children of Morta, a new a new RPG for the Switch came out. Um, or maybe it was a recent release, and I was just like, oh man, I'm gonna get that game because I really need an RPG. And then I was like, wait, Pokemon was supposed to be my Switch RPG. Um, and it sucks that like it didn't scratch that itch in any meaningful way. Um, it scratched the Pokemon itch, which is cool, but it didn't scratch the RPG itch, which kind of sucks. And so yeah, I mean it a four out of five. It's a really fun Pokemon game. I think Sun is better. I think Black uh XY is better. I think Black 2 is better. I think there are better ones. I think this is a really cool first Switch game. I really hope they keep pushing the limits and we get something even cooler in the future. Um, But now it's time for our current segment that we're doing on the back end. It's time to ask a big question. Who's watching The Watchmen? Matthew, you watching The Watchmen?
2: You know I'm watching The Watchmen. Yeah, I do actually Uh, know that for a fact. Um, Yeah, I love this latest episode where are we doing spoilers for Watchmen?
1: Uh, Let's go. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for if you Watchmen. We haven't seen
2: all the most recent Watchmen's. All right, uh, Hooded Justice. Uh, you find out, you know, was uh, Ben uh, whatever the last name is. You know, the old man that hung the sheriff. Uh, yeah, he William. Was, whatever. Yeah, he w- Ben Reeves was it? Yeah, Reeves? something like that. Yes, he was Hooded Justice from back in the day, and that makes something from the original Watchmen. You know. Uh, Design that, you know, David Gibbon, you know, had with the noose around the neck, you know, so much more significant with the way that Lindelof is going hard into the racial tension of 2019. Like, They were able to combine the original Watchmen with the themes of the new show in a way that made a lot of sense. Yeah. I think I hated the first episode. I thought this show was going nowhere and every subsequent episode has gotten better and better and better.
1: Oh, yeah. I've really liked a lot of the more recent episodes as far as like being like individual TV episodes. I wasn't loving them as a series till this episode. I thought this episode tied together a lot of the ideas at play here. I thought that making it so that Hooded Justice wears white eye makeup around his eyes when he puts on the hood. Is a really profound statement about sort of like who's whose extrajudicial violence is allowed versus who is is not like who gets to be a superhero, who gets to be a terrorist kind of question. Um, and I think that it gets into that in a really cool way. And I think that that puts a lot of the earlier episodes into a really interesting context. Um, Jared was on the show last week and was saying that he thought I wasn't being generous enough to the show and that it was going in a cool direction. Um, I want to apologize to Jared because it turns out he was right and I was wrong.
0: And I want to challenge Jared to a fight. Unrelated. All right. Well, you guys live close to each other, so it shouldn't be hard to set up. <laughs> For me, this is the first episode where the politics weren't fucked up and confusing. Like all the other episodes, I'm like, OK, the cops are good, but they're hunted by the racists. Some cops aren't allowed to use their guns. Isn't that scary? Like so many things being thrown at the wall. And I'm like, this is very confusing. And then I, I hope they're doing the right thing. With this episode uh, on its own is really good and I think has very clear politics, but like, I'm not sure if it like makes the earlier episodes like make more sense
1: um, for me personally. Oh, for me it uh, does just by being like this show is about who owns violence basically. Um, Which is sort of like the core watch me question initially is like who owns violence, who's allowed to do violence. Uh, and I think this episode kind of cleared that up and it was like white people. Um, right, which is like interesting and, and generally considered to be true. Um, you know, I forget who was talking about this, but someone was talking about how like Batman is silly because like, when is any billionaire white person ever needed a mask to get the justice that they want? Um, and this show really takes that idea to task in a way that I'm really into.
0: Yeah. So uh, hopefully they stick the landing on this stuff. I mean, is there any other big uh, comic to- like TV show moments That stood out to you, Matthew?
2: Uh, I really have – I like the previous episode as well with uh, Mirror Glass or – what's his name? Uh, Glass Mirror or –
1: The mesmerism Looking Glass.
2: No, uh, Looking Glass. Yes. Yes, who's basically this uh, updated version's Rorschach, you know, that same character archetype. And I love, you know, at the end where he is being kind of red-pilled, you know, with this – truth about, you know, what Ozymandias really did. And I'm interested to see what direction that takes the character. Uh, Yeah. Just very fascinated there. uh, How they're playing on that character archetype. Totally. I think it's
1: interesting how they've implicated the Rorschach character, the specific Rorschach character, while still like leaving some space for this kind of like vigilante-y, kind of proto batman y type guy to do some work. Um, Yeah. I mean, I... I was, I mean, last week I was so not feeling the show in a major way. Uh, I was like impressed with it technically, but not a big fan. But after this week, I'm, I'm pretty on board. Mm-hmm.
2: See, I like the technicality of it in that the first two episodes weren't character focused, but the last two or three, they're sp- focusing on a specific character, just like the original comic book. Each, you know, was devoted to the point of view of one of the characters. I like the interstitials of what's the show called? Uh, Heroes in America or something like that? The Minutemen. Oh
1: no! It, yeah, here's in America. I think is the in, in the show in the show, and they show the Minute Men yeah. in there. Yeah, uh-huh. which is
2: sort of like uh, how at the end of every issue of Watchmen, you had uh, the black not Black Pearl, but uh, what was the name of the pirate uh, no, comic it, book? Wasn't
1: the Curse of the Black Pearl?
2: No, that that's the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. No, but I, It's something very similar to that. It's the Curse of uh, Black something. I know that. Yeah, yeah. And I like how they're looking not just at the themes and events of the original Watchmen, but also the structure and trying to replicate that in a new medium. And I think they're succeeding for the most part.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I just think it's really impressive that they've been able to make this critique of violence that was so felt so absent in the first part of the season really feel resonant now and feel like it would be resonant. If I went to back to watch the older episodes, I feel like it would resonate a lot more knowing where it's going than it did at the beginning. Which is a really like Lindelof is famous for never opening the mystery box, opening his mystery box in episode six with three episodes to go is like out of character, but very good. Um, yeah, and I'm very agree. into that. Um, all right. Well, I think that's just about it for the show this week. Cause we are already pushing an hour. Um, so let's do some quick plugs, Matthew, where can people find more of you? Cause you've been a great guest and I'm sure they're going to want to
2: get more out of you. Okay. You can find uh videos by me on wisecrack, uh, You can find articles by me at the Hub City Review, and you can listen to my podcast, the Super Sexy Podcast, where every other week we get together to speculate as to the sex lives of superheroes. It's locker room talk for nerds, geeks, fanboys, and any and all aficionados of pop culture. And that was actually inspired by my last appearance here when we were uh, talking about... uh, the uh, sex lives of Batman and Joker. Oh, so. Yeah.
1: Do they eat ass? One of my. Greatest, Do they eat ass? Yes. One of my that is the inventions. Genesis. R.I.P. Do they eat ass? The Genesis of my podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll bring it back one day. Uh, Grift Dog, what you got going on? I uh, let's see. It's
0: coming out on Friday,
1: so uh, we're about a week
0: away from the next. Nobody yell at Jesus me. Jesus Christ! Five already. Plus- I know. The I killed. Yeah, dude, I do this every month. Hang me. It sucks. Oh, hang uh, me. No, Daddy. I love it. Come, 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 come. It's great. I love it. Uh we've got some incredible uh guests. As always, we've got uh Luke Null from SNL doing some musical comedy. We've got uh Sherry Cola doing some stand up. We got brand new sketches from the team. It's going to be a great Christmas show. I even hear uh, Santa might be showing up.
1: Wow! Well, you've got Santa. I've got Slamta at Party World Wrestling presents <laughs> Wrestlemania, baby. Um, it's coming up soon. The show is December seventh, which is a week from Saturday. Shoot me with a gun. Um, that is so soon. Let's both just kill our yeah. Let's I think that's what go- we should probably do.
0: Um, let's just like, let, let's plug a bunch of Chromecast ultras into into, into brains, a computer and, then yeah, and, then just and just blow ourselves stream
1: up. Uh, incredible. Um, but yes, WrestleMania is coming up. Uh, it's going to be a really awesome show. We have some really sweet matches in the card. A lot of promos are out that I'm really proud of, uh, that I think you guys would like if you go check out uh, party world wrestling on Facebook and check out the videos to under video the videos under the videos tab. I'm really happy with the Supremes. The cycle they're really great. If you want to get exclusive donor merchandise like shirts, sweaters, I think cups or candles, you can do that by going to igg.me/at/wasselmania. Wassle, you guys have candles? I think so. We did candles last time. I think we're doing it again. igg.me/at/wasselmania. Wasselmania is spelled W-A-S-S-A-I-L-M-A-N-I-A. I wish we had done Vapesmiths because everyone would know how to spell that, but we're doing Wasselmania instead. It's going to be a really rad show. I'm really excited for it. If you can't make it to the show in Austin on December 7th, we will be Twitch streaming it on twitch.tv slash party world wrestling. And I'll be plugging it again next week for sure. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be really cool. Don't forget to check out Haley's Instagram at eat every sound for some really cool ASMR food content. She makes really awesome stuff. I think everyone would love it. Go subscribe, listen to it. It's going to be a bonus to your life. That's going to do it for the show. My name is Lex. I'm your host. Your host is Griffin Davis. Your guest is Matthew J. Your editor producer is Haley Clement. Your music is by Matthew Morton. Your artist is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much.
2: Pokemon Sword and Shield. Do, 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 do.